Good morning. Welcome to this Mercia podcast with myself, Mark Morton. Um, I'm sitting here the uh, day after the night before, uh, having written the whatever you want to call it. When is a budget not a budget document? So um, the the uh, Chancellor's growth plan, and sitting here with a cup of tea, mulling over. You know what has actually gone on here, and it seems like a very big, both economic gamble but political gamble. Uh, so it, it's a bit like Blackadder's cunning plan. This it will either be the greatest plan in the world, and everybody will think this guy's a genius, or it will all end in tears. And I'm not entirely sure that any of us know quite what the answer is going to be. But it's it's certainly uh, a big statement. I think a big political statement leading up to the next election, uh, nailing your colours to the mast of low taxation and pro-business. So if you want to object, you're going to have to say you're high taxation and anti-business, presumably. So, um, yeah, very interesting times. So what I've just tried to do for the purposes of this podcast is pick out 10 particular points um, just to highlight them. And I've started off with probably the worst-kept secret in the world, uh, it had been leaked and leaked and leaked again. Um, the fact that the social care levy was going to be scrapped, uh, that had been talked about in Liz Truss's prime ministerial campaign, and the government say that the social care levy, which if you remember, wasn't due to come in strictly till next year anyway, will not go ahead. What has then happened, which I suppose is the slightly surprising point, and it'll be interesting to see how the mechanics of this work, but then a statement that actually the temporary increases in national insurance, i.e. still 1.25% for this year, uh, they will be essentially stopped from the 6th of November. Now, of course, for employees and employers, the question will be in the short term how the software works and to what extent it's physically possible to do this by the 6th of November. If you recall, when these rates were implemented earlier in the year, the revenue needed a three-month lead time to commit to uh, implementing some of the earlier NI changes. So we shall see how quickly it can be reversed. There was sort of comments that some employees will have to maybe wait until December or January to feel the effect of that. But uh, an immediate change uh, from November to those um 1.25 rates will disappear from payrolls. A slightly different effect for Class 1A and Class 4, similar principle, but essentially saying the 1.25 uh, addition, which applied to Class 1A, Class 1B, Class 4, and so on, that will disappear as well, essentially from 6th of November. But of course, because these are annual uh, rates of national insurance effectively, the effect is prorated. So we get some rather strange percentages floating around of 14.53% for Class 1A, Class 1B, and 9.73 and 2.73 for Class 4 in the fullness of time. Don't worry, software will do it for you. And as a consequence of this as well, uh, the government have said, although this will not apply for 22-23, but from 23 onwards, obviously the knock-on effect of the 1.25 had been felt in dividend tax rates as well. And so what we are seeing there is for the start of the new tax year, the dividend tax rates will all reduce again back to their 21-2 levels. 
So, you know, the 1.25 will disappear and the rates of dividend taxation will go down a little bit as well. A number of changes, obviously. A lot of tinkering about with national insurance, I suppose, is the number of questions that come from that. How many lay people would understand really anything I've just explained? You know, national insurance is quite a difficult sell to the general public, I think, because, well, a lot of people don't really understand what NI is for, you know, how much they pay. They may see a bit of a net effect in their um, take-home pay. Is it material um, to possibly the people who really need it? Possibly not. But it's very difficult to target these things because the nature of our tax system is the more you earn, the more you pay. Hence, if you cut taxes, the more you save. The less tax you pay, the less you save. And this is a problematical thing uh, and the government are being criticised, you know, the wealthy, whatever that means, are better off more so than the poor, whatever that means again. But of course, that's the very nature of our tax system. So unless you're going to really rejig the tax system to something more progressive, then <clears throat> unfortunately, these are, you know, these are one size fits all rates. Uh, talking about rates, the third change I'd highlighted uh, was basic rate again. A lot of suggestion. I have some sympathy for this. Um, Mr. Sunak had announced that uh, basic rate would reduce to 19% from April 2023. Uh, sorry, from April 2024. Uh, the current Chancellor bringing that forward by one year, which probably makes sense. You know, people need help, they need it sooner rather than later, but not an easy thing to implement partway through a tax year, obviously. So, basic rate down to 19% from April of next year. Probably one of the rabbits out of the hat, though, was then the abolition of the 45% rate. And in combination with the um, lifting of caps on bankers' bonuses, uh, obviously that, in its own right, raises a number of political questions. Uh, whether you agree or disagree, I think everybody would, would you know, sorry, agree or disagree with the, both of those points, whether abolishing both is correct. I think most people would agree that's a very difficult political sell at the moment when you know, some people are struggling to pay bills for switching lights on to say actually the wealthiest um, are specifically relieved from certain caps and certain taxation. I think that's quite a difficult political sell. One of the knock-ons of that, I should, I should mention, well, additional rate going right across the board, so there'll be no additional rate on uh, dividends either. That will disappear. I think coming back to basic rate, there are then some rather interesting comments from the government about the knock-on, because obviously if you look at things like gift aid donations, um, personal pension contributions with the relief at source, those reliefs are given by reference to basic rate. So if basic rate goes down, obviously the amount I personally get as basic rate relief will go down. Um if I'm higher rate, it will make no difference ultimately. It will all come out in the wash. But of course, the knock-on consequence is what the government refunds to charities and pension schemes will go down as cash refunds from 20% to 19%. Now, the government has said there will be a four-year transition period for gift aid relief. Uh, quite what they mean by that, they talk about maintaining basic rate relief at 20%. Now, do they mean to me as the donor... Do they mean in terms of funding the charity or do they mean both? I'm not entirely clear. And the reason I say that is then there is another statement in relation to relief at source pension contributions that there will be a one-year transition period 
for relief at source pension schemes to permit them to continue to claim tax relief at 20%. So it appears to be a slightly different policy for gift aid than it is for pension. And it appears for pensions, what we are saying is, my tax relief will go down to 19% as a, as a basic rate taxpayer. And ultimately, the government are prepared for one year to keep sticking 20% into the pension scheme. But of course, the net result is in the not too distant future for basic rate people, well, for anybody, of course, in terms of basic rate tax relief, the amount of refund that the um, uh, pension scheme gets is going to be that much less. And consequently, you know, that difference of 1% is still remaining with the individual. Now, will they understand that it would be a good idea to still stick that in their pension scheme as a separate exercise? Probably not. And that will save the government. I'll be interested to see, but that will save the government uh, a lot of money per annum, clearly. Um, so there's, you know, th- there's some interesting things that need to be fleshed out a little more. I think the other interesting point with all of this is then the impact in Scotland. Because if you look at uh, savings rates, if you look at dividend rates, they are based on the UK system. So in Scotland, there's going to be a 19% effect uh, there. The the reduction in dividend taxation, um, and interestingly, the, the abolition of the dividend additional rate, interestingly, uh, will come through. All of those changes will come through to Scotland. But of course, the general point on earned income, if you want to call it that, non-savings income, will be what the Scottish government decide to do. So certainly if you're Scottish, the chance of working out your own tax bill correctly would seem even more remote going forward. Um, So it'd be very interesting to see how and when the Scottish government pass comment on this. Fourth thing I pulled out was, again, a pretty badly kept secret. Uh, And I have some sympathy for Mr Sunak here. You know, when he announced the increase in corporation tax rates, he was seeking to pay off some of the COVID debt and the economy coming out of the pandemic looked pretty buoyant. And one of the ways to do that was 25% CT uh, with marginal relief and associated companies and whatever else. The flip side of this is the point of 19%, and actually George Osborne had been very keen on this, was making the UK highly internationally competitive. And one of the comments the government make again is that by sticking at 19%, the UK rate is lowest in the G20, you know, in terms of developed economies that we're competing against. So it's an interesting balancing act. You know, will 25% mean multinationals leave the country? Do you gain more by leaving at 19% than potentially the, the headline cash you would raise? Difficult decisions, but that is the basis of that decision. The fifth point I pulled out was about capital allowances. There'd been some consultation earlier in the year about what, if anything, to do going forward with capital allowances. We have a statement from the government that AIA uh, will remain at one million permanently. Uh, Unfortunately, in my career, I've heard of other so-called permanent AIA rates. So we'll see how long this permanent rate lasts, but it will not be reduced to 200,000 from next April. I think by implication, though, there was no particular mention of super deduction. So it appears that super deduction will end next April, but the AIA will not diminish, appears to be what's being said. Some other comments, the sixth uh, set of comments was to do with really uh, stimulation of investment in businesses, potentially some changes to seed enterprise investment scheme. 
in terms of how much the companies can raise through that scheme and in terms of how much individual investors can put in. So potentially looking at some changes for April 23, similarly potentially some changes to the company share option plan. And then so-called enterprise, uh, sorry, investment zones, really a sort of similar concept to free ports in the sense that there will be enhanced tax reliefs that apply to these zones. I think the interesting thing is how many the government perceive. Um, It says they're already in discussion with 38 local authorities. And essentially what you'd be saying is reduce business rates for periods of time, no SDLT on commercial property, uh, no NI for new employees for periods of time and enhanced capital allowances and SBA. So sort of similar concepts over the years to free ports and other sort of schemes. But again, be interesting stimulation and how many of these take off and how quickly they take off. The seventh point I had uh, highlighted was SDLT changes. Um, I do find this personally quite odd. Uh, successive governments in, you know, sort of financial crash of 2008 throughout the pandemic. Then again, I think one thing that you can keep ticking over in a recession is the housing market. And so governments are quite keen to keep that bit of the economy going. Of course, the problem is what this has led to over that 10, 12 years is successive price rises. Uh, So you get this rather strange conundrum where interest rates on mortgages are going up with a view, of course, the whole point is to try and dampen down um, uh, spending and inflation. And of course, on the other side, the government say, well, we want to stimulate it a bit. So it's it's quite a strange sort of balancing act throughout all of these statements uh, that have been made by the government. Uh, the, the changes uh, really for stamp duty land tax is an increase in the initial zero sort of nil rate ban for residential property purchases that goes up to 250 and then some increase in the limits for first-time buyer's relief, uh, being capped at its maximum of 625,000 quid. Now, uh, it's a long time since I bought my first house, but the idea that the first one would have cost me 625,000 quid, I think, um, tells you all you need to know about the housing market at the moment. The eighth comment that I pulled out was about off-payrolling. To be quite honest, you know, in my career, the last 20 years has been a complete farce on this point. IR35 came in to make a point, legitimate point, but was never enforced. Uh, over that period, you've then had managed service companies, which purported, although probably didn't get around the IR35 rules. Uh, you've then had agency rule changes. You've then had off-pay rolling because none of the above worked. And now we've decided to get rid of off-pay rolling from next year to leave us back with the IR35 rules that for 20 years never really worked anyway. Uh, The really strange thing here, the government have said in the last few weeks they do not intend to simplify or change the way you judge employment or self-employment, and that to me is the root of all evils. If you made the rules easy, had three simple tests and said, look, we don't care who a payer is paying, if the underlying worker fails these three tests, the sum gets pay as you earned, but of course the opposite side of that is they would get employment rights, or B... We don't care who you pay, but you've passed the three tests, and hence you're self-employed and don't get employment rights. But that would appear to be too simple for any government in the last 20 years to actually get a grip of. Quite amazing. What do you say? What a waste of everyone's time. 
Ninth change um, was to do, interestingly, again, probably a lot of politics involved in this, but a suggestion that universal credit claimants uh, will be required to work more um, and have additional help in trying to get them into paid employment. So, you know, quite a focus that when we get more detail on that, that will be quite a big thing. And, you know, there's quite a big political statement behind that, I suspect. We are told that we have a number of announcements coming over the next few weeks to do with improving farming productivity, backing the financial sector, making childcare cheaper, immigration, housing supply, etc. So it be very interesting to see what comes out of that. I think the, 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 the comment that I noted was business regulation. The best thing you could do for business currently is just scrap MTD as a complete waste of everybody's time. We shall see, but I shall be... Um, Lobbying the Chancellor and Liz Truss, he said, well, I'll, I'll send them a rude email, see what happens. But, you know, MTD, just get rid of it. What purpose is it serving? Anyway, the final thing was obviously a number of the announcements that that came in the couple of days before the, the growth plan. We'd had the personal energy support. We've got the business energy support. And you never know, changes to the healthcare system. I may be able to see a doctor within a fortnight by which time, you know, I've either ended up in hospital or miraculously risen like Lazarus and cured myself anyway. So uh, we shall see what effect some of these things have, but a lot of tax changes. And I think the final thing to end on, no particular comment by the government, but it would appear, I sus- well, I would, I would bet a small amount of money that at some stage in the remainder of this tax year, whether it be November, December, or whether it be the spring, we are going to get a, a proper budget as well. I think that is pretty clear. Um, we just don't know when. So lots to keep us in a living. Uh, tax is never simple. But let's face it, if it was simple, we'd all be out of a job. So on that happy basis, uh, I hope it's been of interest to you. And uh, I will see you hopefully soon out and about on our wonderful face-to-face courses. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.